If you're innovating, creating, or making a difference, this show is for you. Welcome to Over Coffee. I'm Dot Cannon. Here on Over Coffee, we talk with artists and innovators about the process of changing the world in terms of what they do. They said, we'll sanitize everything. If you can get us face shields that have this specific design, we said, okay. So we wrote out a model that has now been used at several other hospitals. Amid the coronavirus pandemic, the Maker Effect Foundation continues in its mission of amplifying and activating the efforts of makers, and they found a new way to do it. Ordinarily, this Orlando-based nonprofit will guide makers in personal growth, professional success, and community development through not only their makerspace, but a yearly special event. Now, though, they've launched their COVID-19 Maker Response Team to create much-needed personal protective equipment for healthcare professionals. And you can get involved if you'd like to help. Candy Cole is president of the Maker Effect Foundation. Candy, according to your blog post, I am talking to a lifelong maker. I'd love to know a little bit about your maker journey before we get to talking about the Maker Effect Foundation's COVID-19 Maker Response Team. Okay. Where did you first fall in love with making? Well, honestly, my husband has always been the one to, you know, as a kid, got in trouble for taking his toys apart. And kind of thinking, you know, trying to figure out if you could put them back together and figure out how things worked. But then we had kids, and we saw our kids always wanting to buy something. Or when a toy would break, they'd want to go buy a new one. And we were like, hmm, our kids are getting the wrong message here. So we, my husband took our oldest son in 2011 to Bay Area Maker Fair in California. And it lit a fire in my son who was like, we have to do this in Orlando. And all of a sudden, our kids became, how can we make this? How can we fix this? How can... They became producers rather than consumers. So the journey really became more about raising the kids to be the kind of people we wanted them to be. And that's kind of what started us in just doing this and making things and doing fun projects with the kids. And a lot of it was, you know, Legos is a really easy way to get them to create things and then destroy them again and see that they can be rebuilt. What a wonderful gift to give your kids, too. Fast forward to today, Maker Effect Foundation, if I'm not mistaken, will be celebrating its seventh year, and you have the new Maker Effect Foundation COVID-19 Maker Response Team. How did you come to create the response team? It really starts with, so we are in our seventh year. It really starts actually with a lot of nonprofits have an annual gala, we have our big maker party called Maker Fair Orlando every fall, and it's in November. And to produce that event requires about about a thousand volunteers between makers and their helpers and the producers and the crew. And it takes a lot of people to bring that event together. So because we're not the kind of people to we were sitting at home and we can't be idle. So. We said we were getting really stressed out and really wanted to be helping solve this problem so that our lives could turn back to normal as quickly as possible. So we kind of activated our Maker Fair network of volunteers and makers and communicators and found that there were several smaller groups of people that all really wanted to help and we're starting to make things, but we weren't really sure what was needed. They were just kind of, I'm just going to go sew some masks or something. So what we did was we added some infrastructure 
and created a good supply chain by connecting several small groups with each other and partnering with several groups so that we could all help each other. And we also approached all the local hospitals to find out exactly what they needed. For example, Orlando Health, they said, we'll sanitize everything, and if you can get us face shields that have this specific design, or they had some specific requests that were better for them for safety reasons, and so we said, okay, so we wrote out a model that has now been used at several other hospitals, and now we could focus makers on making the right thing that was actually going to be useful. Let's look at the do's and don'ts of that. What's the right thing versus people saying, oh, I'm just going to sew some masks? You have to kind of define the purpose. If it's just for for you to wear to the store where you're not sure who you're going to encounter, that's different than a healthcare worker who is guaranteed to come across multiple COVID-positive patients in a day. Those two items don't necessarily serve the same purpose. So we want to make sure that the people who need heavy-duty medical-grade healthcare PPE can get it. So what we've done with a lot of these sewn masks have been able to divert some of the more, the nice N95 masks and some of those that they need and the face shields. Those can be diverted and shifted around so that other people who are less grocery store workers or people who are in less critical positions can still cover their face. We just, these people are putting themselves at risk, and if you're going to make something, you just have to have a plan. I think a lot of people skip the, what is your goal? And if you don't have a goal, then you have to figure out why you're doing what you're doing. How long now have you had the Maker Effect response team in effect, and what have they produced so far? Okay, so we've been, this is our, what, three weeks now? Because we did not have a whole lot of time to plan this and get it together, so we were kind of started out with, let's slow down, let's make our plan, and we've been kind of making it up as we go along. So we've had, I can't even count, thousands of sewn masks go out already to different healthcare facilities and to the Orlando Police Department and to the Orlando Fire Department. As a matter of fact, I'm getting ready to take a big delivery to the fire department this afternoon after I get off the phone with you. We've had already a few thousand face shields. Part of our problem with face shields is they're so critically needed that plastic to make them was really hard to come by. So Coca-Cola donated almost 12,000 pounds worth of plastic and shipped it down here to us. So now we got another a boat manufacturer locally to help us break it down into smaller rolls so we can move by hand. And now we deployed those two different lasers all over the state so that they're being cut into the full face shields that are in such high demand right now. And the nice thing about those is for healthcare workers, they cover the entire face, eyes, there's a visor on top and everything. So so we've, we've got a lot going on, and that donation from Coca-Cola should allow us to make about 30,000 face shields. So that's huge. Wow. When you say you've got a lot going on, what is an average day like for you as a maker? You're getting up and what happens? <laughs> a lot of it is coordination and communication, really from our perspective. I mean, the Maker Effect Foundation's mission is to activate and amplify the efforts of makers. So we are here to make sure that all of the people doing things have 
the tools that they need, they have the materials that they need, and they have the knowledge that they need. So we basically, I get up every day and I check Slack and I check my email and I check Facebook and all the mediums for all those private messages for all the problems that came up overnight. And usually I can connect this person to this person. Producing Makeup Fair means I know somebody who makes just about anything you can think of. I can find somebody who's good at it. So, for example, we partnered with Orlando Face Mask Strong is a group that's only doing sewn masks. So we felt it was kind of silly to duplicate efforts, so we partnered with them, and they were kind of slow to produce masks because it takes a while to sew a mask. But what we could do is, hey, your sewers are spending at least half their time measuring and cutting. What if we used our lasers to cut for you and sent you just a kit so that they were ready to sew? And they loved that. And so now we've been cranking out masks like crazy because our laser, we have two lasers running full-time right now and several others that are cutting fabric that's going to specific drop-off points. Then we do a no-contact drop-off. And people sewing get a 50-mask kit so that they can just sew them and then drop them off a couple of days later. So it lets us deploy, we kind of set up a supply chain, so it lets us deploy the equipment a lot faster. And it also sounds like any creative project in that as you're going, the project kind of shows you how to make it, and you're kind of learning as you're going along. Yeah, exactly. It does. And knowing so many local businesses have really, really stepped up. Like I mentioned, the local boat manufacturer, Correct Craft Nautique, they have a factory here. So we didn't know how to deal with the plastic, so they unspooled the plastic for us. But they also have a full upholstery shop that's full of sewing machines that they used to sew masks, that they used to sew upholstery for the boats. But now they have 25 people making masks now that they have a sewing. They're like, they're not building boats right now because, you know, they don't need to do that right now. But it's nice to see people like that stepping up, businesses, individuals. It's, it's amazing. A lot of our listeners are not based in Orlando or just about all over the world. How might they get involved in helping with what you're doing and what might you need? One of the nationwide efforts that we have partnered with also to make sure that things get where they are needed, there's an organization called getusppe.org. And basically, people who need personal protective equipment can create an account that can say what they need. And people who have it to donate or want to make it can put in what they have. And then they get matched up. And then you can make sure that things are getting where they're going to go. And that's a great place to start. It's amazing how all of these groups are coming together. I mean, we're focusing primarily on Orlando, but we're, we also have, hopefully the from Orlando, the less connections we have, right? But we have a lot, we've activated a huge group in South Florida, in Miami. There's a huge number of cases in Dayton Broward County. And so now we have equipment going to the hospitals down there, the Baptist Network, UM, several all huge, huge health networks down there. We're really happy about that. We have, you know, Jeff, we have most of the peninsula of Florida covered pretty well, and we're just sharing supplies and best practices with each other so that we can make sure that everybody has what they need in each area. With all your experience as a maker, I get the impression of somebody who's constantly learning. What would you consider one of the best maker lessons you've learned since you've started your response team? The 
best thing that I've gotten out of this is that I don't have to be an expert at anything to go out and do something. I can learn something new every day. I can go in and I can learn how to use a 3D printer. I can learn how to sew. I can learn how to use a laser cutter. And it took me a long time to admit that I don't know is a very intelligent answer. And to say, I need help, is an amazing and courageous thing. To say, I really would love to do this, but I just don't have the skills necessary. It takes a lot of guts for an adult to admit that and to do that. So that's one of the things that's been very valuable to me because I find that when I ask for help, I get it. There's always someone who's there. Oh, sure, I'm happy to show you that. And then you get support along the way and you make some connections. What a great lesson. And it is. It's very hard to say I don't know. It's very hard to say no, this isn't in my area. Right. Let's share the links that you have right now. You have a Facebook group and a link where people can contact you. What are those, please? The easiest, well, there are so many links that we launched a new website called OrlandoFightsCOVID.com that has all of our information and the groups that we partner with and everything is right there so everybody can see exactly what we're doing. OrlandoFightsCOVID.com. Knowing that this is going to be posted in another two weeks, is there anything you especially will need by then? Supplies, any kind of assistance from people in the local area? How can people help you? You know, honestly, right now it is so hard to say what's going to happen. Things are very fluid and changing rapidly. But the need for face coverings is not going to go away anytime soon. As we gradually work our way back into a normal routine of going and working and doing things outside the home, I don't think we're going to be doing that without face coverings for a while. So there still will be a need for people to sew. There's going to be a need for people to logistically get things from point A to point B. We have a lot of people who are all working from home on problem solving and logistics and just communicating information and keeping track of who's done what. That's been a real challenge, actually, keeping track of how many pieces are being made because we have so many people working that it's challenging to get accurate numbers because not everybody reports what they're doing. So the numbers are actually higher than what we know. But that's a good problem. That is an excellent problem to have, that you have more of what you thought that you were going to need. That's great. What do you consider? I'm going to steal a phrase from you right now. You have a wonderful blog on the Maker Effect, and you reference goosebump moments. What has been your own best goosebump moment since you started your Maker Response team? Honestly, it has been the sheer number of people and businesses who've said, I want to help, what can I do? And then to see them actually do it. Because lots of people say they want to help, but there's a difference between the intention and the concrete action. And to see the number of people taking that concrete action step to do something is incredible. And the thing that I want to make sure that everybody understands is right now people are working from home, dealing with homeschooling their children for the first time in many cases. And sometimes the best thing you can do to help is just keep yourself and your family home and healthy. That is huge. If you have any bandwidth beyond that, always there's always something in your community that you can do to help those around you. My signature question is usually, if people can only get one thing from you about innovation, creativity, and making a difference, what would you like them to take away from you? And I'm going to apply that to your work with the response team. What would you like them to take away from what you're doing right now? Open source collaboration is an 
absolutely incredible thing. When people share their ideas openly and are willing to take criticism and improve their ideas and work together with others, things just, oh, things just can get amazing. Candy, thank you for your time today. Thank you so much. You and I have been listening to Candy Cole, president of the Maker Effect Foundation in Orlando. If you'd like to help in the nationwide effort to create and distribute personal protective equipment, check out the website, getusppe.org. That's getusppe, as in personal protective equipment, .org. Incidentally, the website says that's not for the U.S. alone. This is an international effort. Meanwhile, if you're based in Orlando, you can contact the Maker Effects COVID-19 response team through their new website, orlandofightscovid.com. That's orlandofightscovid.com. And I'm going to give you one more website to keep for the future after we get through this, which will give you information on what the Maker Effect is doing year-round. Their regular website is themakereffect.org. Once again, that is themakereffect.org. And that concludes this edition of Over Coffee. Thank you for listening. Listen to more Over Coffee podcasts at twomavericks.com. That's two, T-W-O, Mavericks, M-A-V-E-R-I-X, twomavericks.com. And you can contact us at twomavericks at gmail.com. The music you're hearing is royalty-free production music provided by Pond5 at pond5.com. I'm Dot Cannon. Here's wishing you a cappuccino day.